Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Morning, everybody. Very, very eager to see God bring breakthrough in your life. That is what I want. That is what I'm praying for. I, I, am, I so want whatever your situation, I want God's breakthrough. And so I'm going to start by blessing you all. And we'll go from there. All right, I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you in the name of Jesus to receive whatever breakthroughs in your life you need right now. Whether it's healing, I bless you with healing in body, in mind, in emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need. Whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, may it be. All right. Welcome back. If you're new here or you are visiting, we are in a study on the life of Abraham, who is God's friend, who is the father of faith for all who believe. I guess technically we are in a study about God and how God is seen to be good and amazing in Abraham's life and as he interacts with his family. Last week we were in Genesis chapter 15 where God makes an unconditional covenant with Abraham. If you remember, God made it clear that Abraham's servant was not going to be his heir, but instead he was going to have a son of his own, a son of his own, out of his own body to be his heir. And Abraham believed, it said in verse 6. And then he asked for confirmation in verse 8 and God he's basically how can I be sure and God says here's how you can be sure I will give you an unconditional covenant promise that that means that there is nothing that you can do good or bad that will mess this up you can be sure because there are no conditions attached to this promise that's how you can be certain most of God's promises are with conditions if you have faith, or if you do this, or if you obey, or if you turn from this, or if you trust me and, and, and walk this path, then I will. But sometimes, not that often, sometimes God makes a promise with no conditions. There are only five of those in the Bible. Five unconditional promises. Including, though, good news for us, the new covenant for those who are in Jesus. And, and the new covenant promises are certain, they are set. That includes forgiveness of sins and eternal life for all who believe. And we, we had a list up there last week about that. So as we talked about last week, today we're going to turn into chapter 16 of Genesis. But before we do that, I need to make a few disclaimers on this chapter, specifically. Two Disclaimer number one, remember that this story takes place 4,000 years ago, more than 4,000 years ago, and there are some complicated things in this passage for 
modern Scotland as we, we process this. This is a true story, and it says what happened to real people, real people like us, and yet we need to be careful what things we pull from this story and apply to our lives. Got to be selective with that. Okay, disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two from this story, um, Sarah, Abraham's wife. This moment, she is in a very bad place. She has got a lot of pain. She's hurting a lot. And we're going to see the very worst of, of Sarah. Be careful not to judge her uh, for her in her worst. Nobody wants to be judged by their worst moments, especially when it gets written in the Bible, right? So n- nobody wants to be judged by their worst moment. This is a bad moment for her, but the New Testament praises her. And the New Testament declares her a woman of faith several times. And she's even listed in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith by name. So just keep that in mind. She's in a bad place today, but this is just a bad moment. This is not Sarah, the woman of faith, okay? All right, now some of you are like, what is we getting into in our story today? Yeah, let, let me, let's, just, let's just go there. Okay, so let's just dive in. Uh, Genesis chapter 16 Starting in verse 1, it says this. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord, Yahweh, has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So that makes him 85 at this point. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she is pregnant, she treats me with contempt. Yahweh, the Lord, will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Okay, what an awful mess. What an awful mess. There's so much pain in this story at this point. There's so much evil in this story. Before we look through it, though, I want to say one thing right from the start. On the outside, Abraham's life is extraordinarily successful. He, he, he is very, very, very rich. He has defeated the kings of Babylon and Persia and two other kings. We don't even know where they're from. That's how much they've been defeated, I guess. Uh, but it's all because God is with him. He's extraordinarily successful. He has all these servants. He's got 318 trained warriors born in his own household. He has heaps of sheep, goats, heaps of golds and silvers. I mean, he, he, is, he is so on the outside. Abraham's life is amazingly successful. But look at the pain in his marriage and in his home. Those closest to him. 
Look at the pain that he has behind closed doors. Now, I know that he's in a tent, so there's not doors there. But but this idea of behind closed doors. What we're talking about today can be a little personal. It can be a lot personal. We're talking about some secret stuff behind the scenes in our lives that that very few people might know about. And and those behind-the-scenes things can either be very encouraging sources of life and goodness, or sometimes behind the scenes we can have secret uh, sources of pain and and grief that, that people don't know about. Even Abraham, though, God's friend... He, is, he lives a long season here of, with a lot of pain in his home and in his marriage. As we consider this darkness, I, I know that some people might, might be triggered because of your own situations with your pa- parents in the past or in the present, or, or maybe with spouses or, or close, close, close friends, or maybe with your children, or whatever the case may be. Situations that have been very hurtful and painful behind closed doors. Ultimately, though, what I want you to know is we are not going to remain in the darkness in this story. This is ultimately a good story of great hope. There's great hope. There's good news coming in this, and we'll see what happens. But first, before we're going to get there, we are going to trudge through the pain in this story with Sarah's pain and Hagar's pain and, and Abraham's pain here. So let, let, let's start with Sarah, okay? So Sarah is 75 years old at this point. She's been married for probably 60 years or so. She has never been able to have kids, and God has promised her husband that he will have a son of his own. But now she's 75, and she's too old to have kids. Now, I cannot overstate the pain that Sarah has, we can imagine it in our generation, and then it's more, I can't overstate that. But from this place of pain and disappointment, uh, probably also just aware that her husband has been given this promise by Yahweh, and that's hanging over it all, she decides to propose to her husband historical surrogacy. Propose that her servant has a child on her behalf, and that she would adopt and raise as her own. Very common practice, not weird back then. Not very weird now. Don't apply that today. Okay. So Sarah sees a crisis and a problem, and she makes the same mistake that Abraham has made, that we've seen him made. She makes a plan, which will work, but she doesn't ask God about it, And as a result, she has to endure so much needless pain. And I basically compare this story as a a very um, opposite, opposite story, but also the same story as the time when they went to Egypt. And Abraham gave his wife, Sarah, to Pharaoh to be be Pharaoh's wife. And Abraham got wealthy, and he didn't die, and, and he gets, though, an angry Pharaoh that drives him out of Egypt. Well, you kind of flip that around, and now you've got Sarah giving her husband to Hagar so that she can have a kid that she can raise as, as her own, and yet she's going to become angry in this story and drive her Egyptian servant out of, the, out of the, um, the family here. So Sarah and Abraham, again, once again, they're trying to solve their own crisis without seeking God's plans for their work. And, and because they don't, it just comes with so much needless pain. 
I just want to, this is not the point today, but friends, always, always, always be seeking the plans of God for your situations. I know that you probably can come up with a great idea, and it might even work just like they did, but you don't know what, how God might direct you because he might see what you don't see to avoid some pain. So again, I'm just putting that out there, just, just putting that out there. So anyways, Abraham agreed with his wife's plan. It did seem like the only option to him. I mean, he is 70, uh, she is 75 at this point. Okay, just a moment of clarity. This is not Abraham wavering in unbelief. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 4. And in Romans chapter 4, it's very clear, Abraham did not waver in, in unbelief. This is how Abraham just probably assumed that he was going to have a son of his own. Through this, through this situation. Abraham still hasn't learned that God has something much better in mind. He's not going to learn that for another 14 years from this moment. Okay, so that's, that's a long ways out. But this is not him wavering unbelief. This is just, this is just uh, historical surrogacy. And that's, just, that's what's going on there. So the plan that they didn't ask God about, it worked. It worked. But Hagar, it says here, began... To treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Okay, so Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're off track. And the pain started in Sarah's life long before this moment. Years, decades, decades before this moment. And yet, when Hagar starts to treat Sarah with contempt, Hagar takes Sarah's pain and just starts mashing on it. She just starts pushing those buttons. She just starts just jumping on that pain button in Sarah's life. And Hagar blows up this family. Hagar blows up this family because of the, her evil attitude and response to Sarah behind closed doors. Hagar is being evil in her proud and contemptful treatment of Sarah. Sarah is now hurting. She is now angry. There's other words that we like to use, uh, cr more Christian words for anger, like she's upset. She's frustrated. Okay? I, 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 we can, you, you spin everyone, but at the end of the day, she is angry here, and she is full of pain. And we, we understand. We understand. And now Hagar is triggering her buttons and, and pushing on them, and, and so Sarah's hurting, hurting, hurting. She becomes very angry, and the first person she takes it out on is her husband. Who do you take your anger out on mostly? We tend to have our persons, but when, when you're angry and frustrated, who, who experiences your, who do you take your anger out on mostly when you feel angry? Maybe when, who do you mistreat because you are hurting or you're frustrated or you're stressed or whatever? Who do you take your anger out on? Who do you sin against the most in, in your anger? Or... Okay, that's not okay. That is not okay. Taking your anger and your frustrations on someone, maybe it's your parents or your best friends or your spouse or your kids or just anybody, that, that, that is a thousand percent not okay. And if, this, if that's been your story, you need to stop 
and change. You need to stop today and you need to confess that as evil and you need to repent and change. There, there are healthy ways to deal with our anger. We do get angry. God gets angry. That's great. Jesus gets angry. That's great. We might get angry. There is righteous anger. There is holy anger. And yet there's a lot of anger that is not holy. And what matters in our anger is what do we do with it? And in our anger, violence is not God's plan for, for you and your relationships there. There are healthy ways to deal with anger, but violence is not one here. Uh, throwing things to make people intimidated and afraid is not one. Yelling, intimidating, screaming, swearing, venting anger, just creating this hostile, fearful environment for the people in, in your life, that is not okay. This is what Ephesians says. Ephesians 4.26, this might need to be your verse for a, few, for a season here. It says, in your anger, because you're going to be angry. I, I get angry. Or everybody gets angry. God gets angry. In your anger, though, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. In this story here, Hagar is hurting Sarah. And in Sarah's anger, she first goes at her husband this anger behind closed door stuff, it is so evil. It's so evil. Just stop and change. And you're like, how, how would I even do that? And, well, you can always Google uh, get help with anger. But if anger is one of those things in your life, this is what I think you need. I think you need deliverance ministry. If it crosses the line from just an occasional, I, I get annoyed, I get a, another anger word, uh, I get frustrated or whatever, occasionally. When it comes to a point where you're, you're implementing your anger rather shockingly, consistently, and the people of your life, you probably need deliverance ministry where you go, you confess this sin of anger, you repent, you renounce anger in your life, you reject it, and then we, then we you, we command e uh, anger and rage or whatever to get out of your life, any spirits of anger rage to get out of your life forever. That's what I think you would need to see some breakthrough start coming. But a, a moment of anger here happens, but a habit of anger an environment of anger where people are walking on eggshells, that's your warning. That's your warning that, that the issue has gone too far here. Now, maybe at the end I'll do some prayers on that, but, um, but get prayer. That's your story. Keep getting prayer. Keep going after it. Make it the major priority of your life to put an end to the anger and rage that you're taking out on the people in your life. I understand, though, people in situations, they do, they do frustrate us, and they do make us angry, but what you do in your frustration, what you do in your anger is entirely on you. It's your fault, what you do with that anger. It's not Hagar's fault that Sarai goes and he brings her anger at Abraham. Sarah should bring her anger to Jesus, and her frustrations to Jesus. Instead, she unloads on Abraham here. And then as you keep reading, you see that Sarah starts treating, in her anger, Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. I mean, an immature child tries to blame, you know, somebody else for, for, for their actions. An immature child, like, they started it. 
You know, that, I hit them because they started it. They annoyed me, so I hit them. No, okay. They made you angry, but when you hit them, child, it is only your fault. That is only your fault. Now, Sarah must have been so harsh and evil to, to Hagar here for her to run away. Hagar, Hagar must, must have been so at the very bottom, so miser, miserable, miserable, miserable for her to run away. Because for her to run away is to forego her son inheriting the vast riches of Abraham. The, the, the vast power and influence that Abraham has in this area and, and potentially the promises of Abraham. And, and, and also, what is the penalty for runaway slaves? Sarah must have been a monster behind closed doors to have Hagar run away. There's just no excuse for being a monster behind closed doors. I know some of you have experienced the pain and, and the hurt from, from disappointments in your life? Or the pain and the hurt from, from a Hagar-type person pushing on those pain buttons? But you take your pains and you bring them to Jesus. And you bring your burdens, you bring your, your hurts, and you bring them to Jesus. And, and you get healing for your, for your soul. You, you do that. And, and, and hear the words here from the New Testament from 1 Peter 3.9. Don't repay evil for evil. That's the New Testament directive for, for when, we are, when we're being hurt by someone like a, a Hagar. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. That's not just for people out there. That's for people everywhere, even here. The closest to us. And he will grant you his blessing. Wow. So Sarah treats Hagar harshly. She runs away. And then what happens? Verse 7. says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Okay, just pause for a moment here. This is a difficult thing to read. Hagar is clearly in what we would call a very unhealthy and abusive environment. And here the angel is telling her to go back and submit. Go back and submit where she's being treated harshly and by this, this angry, angry, powerful woman in her life. This is a specific word to Hagar. This is not a word to you and, and to your, your, your situations. This is not to all humanity. Uh, for those suffering in abusive situations. If you are in an abusive situation, an abusive environment, an abusive home, you get safe and you get help. 
you get safe and you get help. Sometimes it's within marriage where there's, where there's uh, abuse going on within marriage and, and people are trying to be like, oh, do I divorce this person? You are not, you're, that's, so, that's not the question for the moment. The question is for how do I get safe and how do I get help? That's the first step. Don't worry about the rest of it right now. Get safe and get help. The, the angel of God tells Hagar to return specific direction for a specific person, not a timeless truth. And then, we, and then we, there's more that the angel says to her, though. It says in verse 11, And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. You're feeling these words, right? Distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to Yahweh, the Lord, who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Ber Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barrett. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Okay, I just want to put one of the verses there in that passage on the screen. It's my favorite moment in this whole chapter. Verse 13, it says, Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Thereafter, thereafter, that means from this moment forward, for the rest of Hagar's life, she starts calling Yahweh the God who sees me. I call, what do you call, what do you call Yahweh, God of the Bible? For, well, the, the, I call him the God who sees me because he sees me. He sees me. Hagar was miserable, but you are the God who sees me. Hagar was, was in an awful home situation, but you are the God who sees me. Sarah was harsh towards her, but you are the God who sees me. Sarah was just angry and out of control. You are the God who sees me in my misery and my pain. And Abraham, the guy who should have done something about this, should have protected her, let it happen and didn't stop it to his shame. But still, God is the one who sees her. I mean, Abraham here, let's talk about Abraham for a second. He let his wife's anger rule the home. He let her pain and her anger rule the home. It's such a common, evil tragedy. Are, are you letting the anger of someone rule your life? Rule your home? Rule, rule, whether it's a man's anger or a woman's anger, is there, is there someone in your life that, that is full of anger? And they're Now, what do I mean by ruling your life? That, 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 that being afraid of what they will do or how they will respond or what will trigger them has you walking on eggshells and stress all the time and, and, and their anger means this is, this is how we make decisions. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is how we act. This is how we don't act. Everything is driven by their anger. This is who we're friends with. This is who we're not friends with. Everything, that, all the decisions are made by who, the angry 
the, the fear of this person's anger flaring up. Anger is not what God's way for your home. Anger is not God's way for your decision-making and for your, your, your life. Love, joy, peace, righteousness. Those are God's desires for your home, for your families, for, for your life situation. A- anger, the anger of someone should not run your life. Or, or run your home. Their anger is a big problem. Abraham needed to stand up and to intervene as he saw his wife's anger ruining Hagar and his home. He experienced it himself, and he just, he just let it go. He bowed to her anger in that moment and let it go on track. That was his sin. That was his evil. Now, I get it. Anger is, is powerful, and it's intimidating, and it's scary. That's why if you are the one that has it, you need to stop, and you need to change. You, you, you must not use it in your home. You can't, you can't do that to your home. That's not God's way. And if you're in a home that has it, you can't bow to it, and you can't al- allow it. If you're so afraid of this angry person in your life and how they're going to respond or how they're going to treat or how they're going to act, then, then something has crossed the line, and you need to get safe, and you need to get help. It is an abusive environment that you're in if you're that terrified. I encourage you, if you're in that kind of environment, get saved, get help, but also get prayer. Get people praying and interceding. Because I know that God brings breakthroughs into homes all of the time. And hopeless-looking situations where that person is so angry, you don't even know what's going on. God can bring breakthroughs in their lives, bring healing in their situations, and transform things immediately. I know, I know this. But back to Hagar here. This is a beautiful moment. She, she was miserable. She was mistreated. She, but God saw her in her misery. And the same is true for you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees your misery. God sees you in your darkness. God, God sees you in your confusion. God sees you in your pain. God, God sees you. And, and I love, what I love about this story is Hagar wasn't innocent. Remember, she triggered this whole thing with, 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 with her attitude at the beginning. It started with her. She wasn't innocent, and God knows that she's not innocent, and yet there she is miserable, and sure, it's of her own fault, and yet he has compassion And he sees her in her misery of her own making, and he sends an angel to her to give her directions because she is she is off track. Again, she isn't innocent. She's innocent. She was not innocent here. Now, I mean, this is some of the great news about God. I mean, He is so gracious and compassionate. He's so forgiving. God has compassion on all He has made, which means God has compassion for you. God has compassion for you. And if you find yourself in a place of misery or you find yourself in a place of pain or you find yourself in a place of fear today, even if it's of your own making and even if it's your fault in some ways, God sees your misery. And he has compassion for you. There's grace for our biggest mistakes. There's, there's hope 
for our darkest moments, even the most evil moments in our lives, the ones we're most ashamed of, the ones that we keep secret behind, behind closed doors, because of Jesus Christ, those sins can be washed away. You can be forgiven of your anger. And when you've done that, you begin to be forgiven of your mistreatment of people. You can be forgiven. And you can change. Your anger might be your past, but peace can be your future. Because of Jesus, not only can you be forgiven, but also because Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on all who believe, you can be transformed. You can be set free. You can be just set free from whatever the evils that are, that, are, that are common in your life. You can be set free by the power of God from the grip of the enemy, and you can change. Anger can be broken. Any fear-filled home situation can be transformed. Anything is possible because there's a God who hears prayers. There's a God who is powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every situation. There's hope for your past. There's hope for your future. God is the God who sees, and God is the God who sees you. The challenge for today is this. Repent. Renounce and reject anger's grip on your life and recommit to not sinning in your anger anymore. You might feel it, but not to sin in it. And then secondly, write a letter to the God who sees me. Maybe anger is not an issue in your life, uh, either to you or through you. Praise Jesus. But you can still do this letter to the God who sees me. I wonder where that's going to go. Pretty, pretty wonderful there. Okay, I'm going to lead us in a prayer time. And this works best out loud. Basically, um, maybe you have anger issues, maybe you don't. But, but we're just going to do all this out loud together. And, and, and who knows, but I'm just going to lead us through a quick little prayer. And, and I'll feed you some words and you can um, pray it back. Basically, we are just going to, or we're going to just ask Jesus to help us, to set us free uh, to set us free from anger, we're going to confess, we're going to repent, we're going to forgive, we're going to renounce, and we're going to reject. Because sometimes the anger in our lives, when it gets to a certain point, it's not just the anger in our lives, but the enemy has gotten in there, and we want to say, enemy, get gone. The last thing we need in life with all its frustrations is the enemy to make it worse in our insides, right? So, so we're going to do that, uh, and we'll just, let me just lead you through that. I encourage you to do this out loud. It, it doesn't work the same when it's just in your head. So uh, you, can, you can be quiet about it if you want to, but here we go. Yeah. Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. Uh, Lord Jesus, set me free from any and all anger. I, I confess that I have sinned in my anger in my life. I confess that I sin. I repent from acting sinfully in my anger. Forgive me of my sin in this way. I reject anger now in the name of Jesus in my life. I renounce anger's um, activity in my heart and my mind. 
And I say in the name of Jesus, anger be gone from me. Amen. God, in the, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. And I ask for your mercy and for your grace in setting everyone free from the, the impact of anger in their lives right now, whether it's anger in them coming through them in the name of Jesus. Anger, get out in the name of Jesus. Anger, leave these people alone. Stop. Stop in Jesus' name and get out. And for those who are in environments of anger, anger and fear and walking on eggshells, God, I grant, God, grant um, peace to each of their hearts and breakthrough in each of their situations. God of breakthrough, bring breakthrough in every home, in every home, bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus, shatter the, the, the evils of, of anger in every person's home and life and environment. God, we look to you, our, our hope, our help, our rescuer, our deliverer. Deliver in Jesus' name. Amen.